Pleased to be joined by my buddy Jake Wimberly. Of course, you can find him at Jake Wim on the Twitters. He's a must follow. And the main reason I wanted to have him on, outside of being, in my opinion, the best radio host in the state of Mississippi, he hosts the afternoon drive from 3 to 6 on ESPN Radio 105.9. But he also runs the CFBHourglass.com. Got to check it out. And he has put out some win totals for the SEC season. So, Jake, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate you. Michael, I always appreciate you. appreciate you having me on, man. Looking forward to it. And uh, we're getting closer and closer through spring football. SEC Media Days will be here before you know it. Yeah, I don't know about you, but my timeline filled up with too much basketball. So I really appreciate you <laughs> throwing out these over-unders. Uh, I was going back and forth with a lot of fans. If Again, you can find all that at cfbhourglass.com or Jake Wim has tweeted out. I've tweeted out, so you can catch all that information there. But uh, let's run down the list real quick here. Top of the list for your CFB Hourglass over-unders, Georgia and Alabama both. You got them listed at 10.5 there. So, I mean, we're really splitting hairs right here. Is it? What are your thoughts on those numbers? I mean, any of those you're more, you know, more confident than the other with Georgia and Alabama at the 10.5? Well, I think you got to look at as we we know you got to go schedules first, and then you got to talk about returning talent. We know that Alabama and Georgia both return, you know, top tier talent. You know, on a, on my scale, which I gauge it on a three year metric, not a four, and we can get into that later on on why I, I choose to do three year metrics on talent evaluation versus four. But you look at them; they're both Alabama and Georgia, the two most talented teams in the country. Now you're splitting hairs when you start talking about roster talent there. <clears throat> excuse me for both teams, but let's start with Georgia first. Georgia's going to be the predominant favorite to win the East this year. We know that. They returned JT Daniels, who by all accounts could be the best quarterback in the SEC. Uh, that's debatable as well. But, again, he's a top-tier talent. Uh, showed that, I think, talent le- late last year in 2020. Um, Georgia's going to you – know, it comes down to two games for Georgia. It really does this year. It comes down to that opener against Clemson. And a lot of people are going to have Clemson. It's pegged as, you know, one, two, three in their in their poll coming out. Uh, as, as polls start to drop and rankings start to drop headed into the summer. <clears throat> but it comes down to that game. And then, of course, the Florida game is, is the other big game. Now, the question is for Kirby Smart, if you're talking win totals, is, he's gonna, is he going to drop a game that he should, you know, a game against the South Carolina, a game against the Tennessee? Uh, you know, will Auburn sneak up and beat Georgia? So, I mean, I think when you look at Georgia, they're predominantly a 10-win team, and, and Vegas win totals will be out here. Uh, in the next couple of weeks as well, Michael. So it's kind of trying to outguess Vegas and where they're going to be. Uh, I enjoy doing this kind of stuff. Of course, we do a lot with the sports gaming industry here in the state of Mississippi. So I think you go, yes, absolutely, Georgia's a 10-win team. The question is, are they better than 10 wins? Are they going to beat Clemson? Are they going to beat Florida? Are they going to run the table? Same for Alabama. I mean, it's hard to bet against Nick Saban. We know that. But with two new coordinators, a new quarterback, uh, you know, a new running back, a lot of new faces on that offense, it comes down, is Nick Saban going to drop one? You know, they play Miami in that first game, and, and Miami, they're going to be, you know, Alabama will be the favorite in that game, and as, as they should, but they're going to be up against a Miami team that's got De'Aaron King coming back for another year. This is Manny Diaz's best team. They've got, uh, you know, Rambo, the receiver from Oklahoma, has transferred in. So they're going, to, they're going to press and test Alabama in that first game, and then you look at other games, how good is Alabama going to be? Are they going to drop a game to a Texas A&M team? maybe get upset in the Iron Bowl. So 10.5 is kind of where I said it for both teams. If you're, if you're playing the numbers, um, both teams absolutely could run the table, but then you could see both teams lose a game that would put you, you know, right there at that 10 wins, which would push you under the half game. 
Now let me ask you about the two you got right under them, LSU and Texas A&M, both at nine and a half. Again, kind of splitting hairs with these two SEC West rivals. I was thinking that earlier, but now that spring's in the air and we're you know recapping what these teams have, I don't like the fact that uh, A&M's got inexperience on the offensive line and the quarterback position. So how close are those two teams in your mind right now? I think they're very close. And, and again, you know, Vegas will do this. They will throw that hook if you want to go play it at your local casino uh, or play it on, you know, online or just with your buddies in the office. They're going to throw that hook to make you go, you know, under nine and a half or over nine, which means, okay, do you think LSU and do you think Texas A&M, right, you know, both teams, are they nine-win teams? Are they ten-win teams? And you're right. Look, Jimbo Fisher has recruited at, at a high level. He's definitely, in, you know, improved the recruiting footprint and profile at Texas A&M. The question is, like you said, that offensive line and then at quarterback. What does that quarterback position look like for Texas A&M? There's a, a lot of high praise for some young guys on that on that uh, roster in that quarterback room, but they've yet to play a game. Same way for LSU. You know, LSU's got a lot of outside noise, too, with everything that's going on with the Les Miles situation and then, of course, the Ed Orgeron uh, situation going on there. He's breaking into new coordinators. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm forced to play this thing – uh, on both teams, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean soft lean Texas A&M over nine and a half, and I may push LSU right there at nine, which would push you under. But I, I mean, again, these two teams play each other, so that could be for the tenth win for both teams. All right, next up, you got Florida with a nine at the over under, and they're kind of a wild card for me because they lost so much, and obviously there was the Dan Mullen NFL rumors, and now he's going into a year where I think he's only got three years left on his contract, so. I don't know, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes drama, but that's nothing new with Dan Mullen. We all know he may be one of the best five coaches in the nation. So, I mean, Florida could could take a big step. They could stay right there, or I I think it's conceivable that they take a step back. So how, how difficult was it to peg Florida at that uh, nine-win total? You know, you look at Dan Mullen, and, and again, you're right. I, you could argue that he's one of the top five coaches in the country, especially the way that he develops quarterbacks. The problem for me with Mullen, after seeing him, you know, here in the state of Mississippi for almost a decade or right at it, and look, he's done a really great job at Florida, finally got to the SEC title game. If they make a stop or two, they probably beat Alabama, or at least they're right there to beat Alabama for the SEC championship game, and they may have made the college football playoff. But losing a lot of talent, now they have a lot of talent coming in, transfer running back from Clemson. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, he's used the transfer portal and used it well. For Mullen, though, it, it comes down to this for me. Mullen's got to show that he's a big game coach. And typically what you see with Dan Mullen is if he plays three teams in a season where, and I did a piece on this several years ago, I have to find it and put it out there, but Mullen, typically if he plays three teams in a season that are more talented teams, he's going to lose two of three. Well, they got to play Alabama this year. That's a better recruiting team. That's a better talented team. They play Georgia, who's got more talent, and LSU, who's got you know more talent. So if they lose, if he stays on that track at two, out of three, if he's going to lose two out of three, well, I mean, you're already back down to 10 wins. And then if he loses three out of three, you're back to nine. So I think it comes back to, you know, does he lose a game against the Kentucky like he did year one at Florida? Or does he lose a game against, you know, a, a revamped Tennessee team? Does that come into play? Emory Jones at quarterback, what does that look like? Or what does the quarterback situation look like? But for Mullen, you've got to project that he's going to have a good quarterback. He has just about every year he's been a head football coach in the SEC. So, you know, nine just seems to be the right fit uh, on the games. That You know, it comes down literally to, to three games, the LSU game, the Alabama game, and the Georgia game. 
What does he look like in those games as a head football coach? Can he coach in those moments? And can he win two of those three ball games, or and not drop one to say a Tennessee or a Kentucky? So nine just seemed to be the perfect fit for Florida. All right, so you made a lot of friends on Rocky Top here, brother, because you got Tennessee <laughs> next on the list, seven and a half, and I'm sure you're getting some hate mail from Oxford because you got Ole Miss at seven. I figured that would surprise a lot of people. Thoughts on why you got Tennessee just a just a hair over Ole Miss, who actually does play at Tennessee this year? Yeah, I mean, look, Tennessee has, and I, this is no secret, Tennessee continues to recruit well, and you know, there's been some misses in recruiting. But you look at Tennessee, they've, they've got really good talent. Now, they're not, they don't have Georgia talent. I'm not sure they have Florida talent, but they've got pretty darn good talent. And then you look at, you know, Josh Heupel, who is an offensive head coach, or, and he's a guy that's going – and the first time since Lane Kiffin, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they, the Tennessee will have had an offensive-minded head coach. So they're going to try to score the football. They get a transfer quarterback from Virginia Tech who likely will be the starter there in Knoxville. So they've got, they're going to play better offensively. Uh, defensively, they've got some talent. So, you know, uh, talent alone, they should be okay defensively. And then a schedule, you know, they've got three non-conference games that they can win. Now, they play Pittsburgh early. That that could be a dicey game for for Tennessee. And then I don't have the schedule in front of me. Who do they play? Obviously, they got to play Alabama. Who's the other West team that they play? Ole Miss. Ole Miss. They, they host yeah. Ole Miss. So that could be for like an eighth win for both teams. And mm-hmm. And, you know, because I, I think Tennessee should beat, obviously, Vanderbilt. They should beat Kentucky and South Carolina. They should beat Missouri. You know, you're at, you're at four wins there. If they get three of the four non-cons, you're at seven. Pittsburgh would actually be eight, and that's if everything goes well. And that's without, you know, discussing, um, you, know, di- you know, upsetting Georgia. Uh, I'd take Alabama off the table at this point in time. You know, what's the, what's the Florida game look like? And, you know, for Ole Miss, they're going to play offense really, really well. Matt Corral. I have him as my number one quarterback on the SEC rankings on college football hourglass, but it's by just a little bit over JT Daniels preseason. Defensively, though, what does that team look like for Ole Miss? Can they play better uh, defensively? And now that people have seen, you know, a full year of Lane Kiffin as a head football coach in the SEC, what, you know, there's a little bit that you can kind of scheme around uh, if you're a defensive football coach. So, you know, I think both teams are really, really close. Tennessee with a little bit more roster talent than Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss was a better quarterback. And, you know, offensively, it's, it's tit for tat between, I think, you know, you look at the two head coaches there. So uh, that game, I think, very well could come, come down to an eighth win for either Tennessee or Ole Miss. Now, how hard was uh, Kentucky to peg? You got them at six and a half, considering they blew up the offensive side of the ball and they've had some departures on the offensive line. So, and now they're not even having a spring game. So it's a little bit hard to see what they got there on offense. But uh, what are your thoughts on Kentucky at six and a half? Yeah, you know, I got more. I think flack from Kentucky fans than I did anybody putting this out when you retweeted it. Uh, and I get it. I mean, look, Kentucky fans, believe it or not, and, it, and you know this, they're, they're a very passionate football fan base. Now, they're not as passionate, obviously, as they are about basketball. But, you know, they have a reason. Stoops has given them a reason to, to be optimistic, and rightfully so. That's, that's a nice program. But still in recruiting, they're a, they're a mid-tier recruiter in the Southeastern Conference. Um, you know, their, their crossover games, obviously, Mississippi State annually. I don't remember who, who else they play in the SEC uh, West because I don't have it in front of me. But you look at, at, at a team like Kentucky, again, the offensive struggles is the big thing. Is Can they move the football? Um, you know, there's a chance for Kentucky to get to seven wins, the, to get to even eight wins if thing goes, things go right. They're going to have, I believe, I, we talked about it on my show the other day, five games that should be probably, you know, a touchdown or less type ball games. And you're mm-hmm. talking about 
Louisville at the end of the season. Tennessee could be that type of game. Mississippi State. Um, you know, they've owned South Carolina five out of the last six years, but that could be a game that, that goes down to the wire. So there's some games out there, I mean, that are going to be coin flip type ball games for Kentucky. They play extremely hard. They're extremely physical. So, you know, six and a half is about where I think you'll see Vegas peg Kentucky. But it would, I wouldn't be surprised if things go well and they find some, some answers offensively for Kentucky to get to seven and if things go really well to get to eight. Now, I think uh, the SEC West is just going to be filled with nothing but minds this season for every team in that uh, division. You got Auburn right here at six and a half, Arkansas six, Mississippi State five and a half. So right there, I mean, you could flip any of those in, in any order. I think I think you kind of nailed it here. But, you know, how difficult do you think it's going to be for some of these teams in the West to have really good seasons considering how tough the division is? Because I think like I said, Auburn six and a half, Arkansas six, Mississippi State five and a half. You throw any of those teams in the East, they I think they could contend for second place in the East next year. No, I would agree with you. And you know, you let's start with Auburn. I mean, new head football coach. Uh, you know, Harson is gonna. There's gonna be some lumps there in the SEC. They're gonna. They're missing some guys though on the offensive front. There's been some holes in recruiting. They've still got a nice roster. But again, you got to go back to Bo Nix, and and is Bo Nix really the answer at quarterback? Now, the way Harson was able to coach quarterbacks at Boise State, we'll see if he can really kind of kind of get out of, of uh, Bo Nix what Gus Malzahn could not get out of him. So you've got to go quarterback and, and look at, at Auburn. They also play at Penn State this year. That's going to be really, really tough. Now, Penn State obviously uh, took a step back, it looked like, or either they just didn't care in a, you know, a shortened, abbreviated 2020 COVID season. But that's still a road trip to Penn State. You've got to think that you're going to have fans in the stands. That's going to be a tough road trip for Auburn. Uh, having to play Georgia, having to play Alabama. It's just, it's a very tough, uh, you know, tough run there for Auburn. And, and I think that there, there's a, a, a talent deficit to some degree for Auburn. When you look at Arkansas, that's a much better Arkansas team. We know that. Quarterback will be, again, the question for them, breaking in a new quarterback who Sam Pittman has as his quarterback. But Arkansas much improved. They beat both Mississippi teams last year in State and Ole Miss, and, I mean, you're talking about a team that's going to be physical. They're going to be in just about every ball game they play outside of, you know, Alabama. Uh, that Texas game, it'll be interesting to see how they look at, you know, hosting Texas this year. And the same way for Mississippi State, you know, Mike Leach is putting some pieces together offensively. He's found his quarterback and, you know, now sophomore Will Rogers. They've got some guys that can play wide receiver, but how efficient can the air rate be in season two? So it looks like, you know, somewhat of a cannibalization among the SEC teams especially when you're talking about Arkansas and then uh, Mississippi State. Throw Auburn in the mix. And look, Ole Miss right there as well, they're, they're not leaps and bounds better than any of those three. And then, you know, Texas A&M, if things don't work out for them, I mean, we could see Jimbo Fisher take a step back and lose a couple of those games as well. So in, in LSU, so I mean, I, I don't know. I think the SEC West, I want to say that it's wide open. But again, I still think you got to put Alabama at the top the way that they've recruited. And of course, they still got the best coach in football. All right, you got Missouri down the list here at five and a half. Any flack for that one? Because Missouri's got a ton of momentum here and very uh, favorable schedule as I'm looking at it here next season. They do, and did catch some flack for that. And, you know, Missouri, if, I've always said, if anybody since the 2012 expansion of the SEC has done more with less, it's Missouri. And what I mean by more with less is when you go by recruiting only, roster talent, Missouri's down the list in the SEC. But, you know, you go back to Gary Pinkle and what he was able to do, the way they were able to play offense and move the football, that continued on after Pinkle. 
Um, you know, kind of took a step back there with uh, Drinkwich for a little bit. But, I mean, you look at, at what they've been able to accomplish. They've got a really nice quarterback coming back. They've got, as you said, some pieces offensively coming back where uh, they are, they'll be able to score some points. And then they do have a favorable schedule. Uh, I just, you know, I think Tennessee's going to be better and Tennessee's going to give them fits. Obviously, Florida. And then you look at Georgia. Uh, but, I mean, the thing about Missouri is Missouri has been able to go out and grab a game every year that they typically don't get, or at least, it, you know, on, on most years they've done that. So at five and a half, I could definitely see them finishing six and six. I could definitely see them finishing seven and five. There's a couple, again, like Kentucky, ball games is going to be one possession type ball games for Missouri. And if I was playing Missouri at the local casino, I would take the over on that number. All right, final two here. You got South Carolina four and a half, Vanderbilt three. Give our fans some optimism here for South Carolina Vanderbilt. Why potentially they, could they exceed those expectations? Well, let's let's start with with South Carolina. I mean, you know, excitement for a new head football coach, maybe finding the right mixture at quarterback and getting the mojo, at, at, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. They've got some talent there. I mean, you know, South Carolina has recruited, you know, inside the top thirty. They've got a nice roster. It's just trying to put everything together at South Carolina. Uh, you know, it, it never helps, though, that they have to play Georgia and South Carolina annually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just I can't imagine what it's like for South Carolina to be in the same state as, as, as Clemson and to be, you know, witnessing what's been going on with Dabo Sweeney. It'd be the same way with, you know, very similar to Auburn and Alabama. The only difference is Auburn has been able to, you know, get over on Alabama a, a couple of times, two or three times. So, for South Carolina, they very well could end up at five, it, or, or maybe even, you know, if you're optimistic, six. That would be an amazing feat, I think, for Shane Beamer to get them to a bowl game in year one. You know, they, they're going to have to do they're going to have to do the deal though in, in the in the East. They're going to have to beat Vanderbilt and Kentucky. They're going to have to beat Tennessee, uh, which they'll probably be an underdog in that game. And then they're going to have to beat Missouri. I mean, you get it four and then win a couple non-conference, then you're there. But they just haven't been able to do that for Vanderbilt. It's it's literally about you know playing the best football that you can play. Uh, we know that they've got a talent deficiency there. It's extremely tough to recruit to Vanderbilt, and you know there's been some struggles there off the field as well. So uh, you know it's interesting that they're on a quote unquote, and I didn't know this until you said it on my show, a quote unquote ten year plan. So I, I don't know you know what the expectations are inside that building up there in Nashville. But, uh, you know, maybe they get uh, three wins. Maybe they get four. Maybe they get a, a win in the SEC. Uh, you know, if, if you, you know, you got you to pull for Vanderbilt and hope that they do. I mean, you don't want to see them continue to get buried every year. So those two teams, though, right now, uh, you'll see that when Vegas rolls this out, will be, you know, the two lowest win totals in the, in, in the conference. All right, Jake, I want to get you out of here on this. We just want to ask you one more thing. You're very plugged in to Mississippi State and Ole Miss and what's going on in that state. You got – Listeners calling into your show, the afternoon drive. Do you know if the Egg Bowl is that moving to to Thanksgiving? And just what's the fan base? You know, do they want the game on Thanksgiving? What can you tell us about that? All signs point to Thanksgiving. I have not seen an official announcement, but that's the, the all signs point to that. You know, I think it's split fifty fifty on the Thanksgiving deal. You know, back when uh, they they really started doing this back in the late nineties. When ESPN was putting, you know, the Thursday night games, it was one Thursday night game and you didn't have the SEC network and you didn't have all the access that we have now to play on Thanksgiving was really special. I mean, I was in college at Mississippi State when when they started this and it was really a treat to to do Thanksgiving in the Grove or to do Thanksgiving, you know, at Mississippi State prior to what they called the junction, but it was still the same tailgating area. 
now with all of the access and, and the fact that you can watch games, I think people have kind of gotten spoiled on television and people, a lot of people prefer a Saturday ball game where they don't have to disrupt the you know, Thanksgiving day plans or travel plans. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's 50, 50. I know the excitement level used to be much higher on a Thursday night. And look, let's be honest back when this whole thing started, Jackie Sherrill was rolling out, you know, nine, 10 win teams. They had come off an SEC Western division title Ole Miss with Tommy Tuberville and David Cutcliffe. They were having uh, really good runs in the SEC West. And, you know, Eli Manning was coming on the scene there at, at Ole Miss as well. So different day, different era, so to speak. Um, but, I mean, regardless, it's still the Egg Bowl. And, and regardless if it's Thanksgiving or not, I mean, you're going to see as long when – they, when they unleash the, you know, the, the fans back in the stands, you're going to see packed fans in the, you know, in the stands, so to speak, because people want to see what Mike Leach is going to do and what Lane Kiffin's going to do. Yeah, I can't wait for that. All right, thanks for joining us. He's Jake Wimberly. Got to give him a follow at Jake Wim on Twitter. And go on over to cfbhourglass.com to check out the over-under the over under win totals and a lot more. Jake, thanks for joining us. I really do appreciate it. Michael, thank you so much. Talk to you soon. All right, so some terrific stuff there from Jake. Hope you guys really appreciated that. I mean, it's true. I was joking with him. When he put these things out, if you missed it, uh, this was Monday. I was tweeting out about the over-unders, and, man, so many of you guys were hitting me back, and what about Kentucky's number? What about Tennessee's number? What about, what do you think about Florida's number? On and on and on. I know it's, uh, you know, the tail end of March here, almost April. College football may seem really far away, but just me hopping on there and shooting the shit with some fans like you guys, talking some SEC football, got me fired up for the season. And, I, man, I was feeling good. <laughs> Very appreciative of Jake hopping on the line. You can find uh, links to his work in the show notes. But, uh, hey, guys, that's all I got on this one. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you made it this far, you wouldn't mind giving, going a step further, giving us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app and send that on over to thatsecpodcast at gmail.com. That's how I get a koozie to you, free of charge. That's just our way of saying thanks. You can also DM us on Twitter, either uh, That SEC Podcast or SEC Mike. Just follow either one of us and uh, shoot us a DM. That's another way you can get that information to us. But I've seen we've had a couple reviews here lately wanting a koozie, but I need need addresses here, guys. You, You wouldn't believe how many people email me, hey, I want that koozie. But they don't give any information on shipping. So happy to do it. Just need that information. So shoot that on over one last time to that SEC podcast at gmail.com. That's going to do it on this one. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you on the next one. <laughs>